Hi, I'm Sean L. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Trey Crowder grew up in rural Tennessee and worked for a federal government agency while harboring dreams of becoming a famous stand-up comedian. Crowder didn't expect it had happened thanks to videos he filmed on the back porch as the liberal redneck, but he went viral in 2016, seen by millions on YouTube and Facebook. With his comedy buddies Corey and Drew, he formed the Well-Read Comedy Team, which has sold out theaters across America, produced a best-selling book, made appearances on The View real-time with Bill Maher and Nightline, multiple news outlets, and even scored a TV network development deal or two. In the spring of 2019, they've started making videos for Comedy Central, launched a new theater tour from Dixie with Love, and will release their first well-read comedy album live from Lexington in April 2019. There's a lot to get to, so let's get to it! So, Trey Crowder. Yeah. Thanks for joining me here. Absolutely, Sean. Uh, well, or thanks for inviting me to your yes. bungalow. Yeah. Here, yeah. Here we are in my, in my bungalow, I guess. <laughs> Yes, this is my office here in uh, Burbank. I made the air quotes that you know the listeners can't see when I said mm-hmm. office because I don't. I never use this for like an office. It's just a decorated room where like that's why I'm glad you're here so I can actually do something <laughs> out here in this room and feel like it's like you know putting it to use. I will put comics up every now and then, guys. I know if they're coming through town or something mm-hmm. on you know this couch out here but that's the primary use of it for the most part no or or if you're uh on the outs with the wife this becomes the yes i haven't luckily had to use if you're in the outhouse this is the outhouse yeah 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 that's another thing i just you know wanted an outhouse you know just for old time's sake or whatever (laughs) how long have you (laughs) how long ago did you move here to burbank california from january tennessee january of 2017 so it was a little over two years so, yeah, so Trump gets elected, and you're like, I can't be in Tennessee anymore. <laughs> well, I'd, uh, I better go join the... <laughs> well, what... I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. I was glad to get out of there at the time that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's the thing. On that topic, I grew up in the South, in Tennessee specifically, Originally in a very small town, and then later like a small college town, and then Knoxville for a mm-hmm. few years where I started comedy. I'm very used to dealing with and being surrounded by people that I just don't agree with at all, politically or otherwise, religion, any of that shit. But like, but it was different with Trump, though. Like, as somebody who like grew up there my, right. my whole life, it was different, and it was worse from my perspective like it was harder for me to just deal with and so yeah it was a good time to be getting out but i had been uh i'd actually been my wife and i had been trying to move out here for a while before that anyway but i did stand up but i still had to have a day job i wasn't making any money doing stand up Mm -hmm. and so i'd been trying to find like a job in that field out here in LA so I cuz we have two young sons too okay. so I could like move the whole family out here that was the plan but it was not working <laughs> and then I had those uh videos go viral when they did and so basically it just like it finally gave me the opportunity to actually do it but right. we had been wanting to do it for a while before that anyway okay so last things first just to catch everybody up 
You have videos where you're the liberal redneck. Yeah. And then you ha- you now have a tour, mm-hmm. a, a crew, yeah. called Well Red. Yeah. R-E-D. Right. And then that's just called that because of the wordplay? of Basically, yeah, Well Redneck is the implication. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, because we're kind of, it's like, we're sort of... Um, Pretentious hillbillies, I guess. <laughs> I saw a couple, I saw you guys have a couple of new videos on Comedy Central's yeah website. Are there? Yes. How many more are there? Those two are the only two that we've done uh, so far. Okay. Um, but I, you know, we're gonna see about doing more, and you know, we'll go from there. I okay. don't know. But I yeah. wasn't sure what your situation was with them. No, we just they had come to one of my Largo shows that Corey and Drew were at and just, you know, started a, whatever, a back and forth about doing something and ended up with these, like, digital sketches, um, yeah, for now. And so, like I said, we'll see what happens. But right. as of now, that's that's it. Um, you know, we kind of, you know, jokingly mentioned Trump, but that whole election kind of brought a sea change to your career. Yeah. Um well, it's weird because, like, I... Whether you plan that or not. Absolutely, and I'm not trying to, like, downplay it, but the, when I first, like, went viral like I did, mm-hmm. it was, like, April of 2016, and it was about uh, the, that whole transgender bathroom deal in North Carolina, you know, because that was, like, a big story at yep. the time. But, like, at that time when that happened, Trump was still, like, uh, especially if, to me, in my mind, I, like, I still didn't... I wasn't buying it still very much. And there were a lot of people that still weren't. I mean, he was gaining steam and it was mm-hmm. starting to happen. But like I he was the furthest thing from my mind initially. Like when it first went viral, it had nothing at all to do with Trump. But then shortly thereafter, he that whole narrative starts to unfold. And the way people were talking about it, you know, it just rural Americans who are doing this and all and that. And I, you know was one but was on the liberal side and right. i mean yes the stars aligned in a lot of ways for me uh and it's very very weird uh but people bring that up and i always want to say uh and i mean this like that is all true but like, like i said i have young children so like i if i could snap my fingers and make him never have been elected i would ha- you know what i mean because like it's I, I I don't want the world to burn. I don't want nuclear hellfire, all that stuff. Like no. it would be, it has helped me, but I would trade it uh, for getting him out of there genuinely. Well, let's go back like a year before you were making the videos. What was your life like then? Were you were you in comedy already? Yeah, I started doing stand up in uh, 2010 okay. in Knoxville. So you've been doing it for a few years. Yeah, in Knoxville. Uh, you were were you working for the government? Yes, I worked for the U.S. Department of Energy. That okay. was just that's just the job that I found when I got out of college. I got out of college and I'm 2000- surprised you didn't get the um, cabinet position. Right? No, I mean you I'm, know more about it than Rick Perry. Absolutely, that's the thing. And I know I'm, we're, I'm kind of jumping around right now, but yeah. just since you brought it up, when I worked for the Department of Energy. Mm-hmm. The Secretary of Energy, when I started, was a Nobel laureate physicist from Stanford. And then when he left, it, the guy that took his place was the head of physics and energy at MIT. And now, you know, it's Rick Perry. So, like, that's one thing I've been the most retroactively grateful for with all this is that I never had to work for Rick for him. Perry. Yeah. But what did you do for the Department of Energy? I was a contracting officer. Okay. So, like, the 
government doesn't really do basically anything. They, you know, pay contractors to do everything for them. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so those contracts have to be bid on, awarded, negotiated, competed for, all that stuff. And I was a contracting officer, so that's what I did. Like, put out our request for proposals mm-hmm. on behalf RF, of the government. RFPs. RFPs, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> and, help, and, you know, helped evaluate proposals and then negotiated with the contractors and then also administered existing contracts. But, like, I was doing, like, uh, IT services or yeah. built facilities maintenance. I wasn't doing, like, nuclear shit or anything right. cool like that. But you're doing that. You have a wife and two young kids. Yeah. And you have these dreams of yeah. being a... What were your dreams, comedy dreams, then? I had wanted to be a... Com- okay, going all the way back, when mm-hmm. I was a kid in my tiny little hometown of Salina, Tennessee, my dad ran a video store. Remember mm-hmm. those things? Yes. Uh, it was Crowder's Video, it was called. And so, like, I've all I'd ever really wanted to do was something in show business originally is like i want to be in movies or make movies but i don't even know what that means then started when i was 12 it became stand-up comedy specifically because of chris rock's bigger and blacker i uh, watched it with my dad on hbo when it aired and okay. was, and that was like the first time that i was like you know i think i'd like to do that and it never went away but also in a place like salina and i grew up like poor as hell middle of nowhere it's none of none of that. None of this is like real to people. Do you know what I mean? Like I always made really good grades, and people would tell me all the time, my, like grandparents, aunts and uncles, but also like guidance counselor, teachers, coaches, whoever would tell me all the time, like you know, you can do whatever you want. You can you know get out of here. You can go to college. You got you know because you make great grades and you're mm-hmm. lucky for that. But they would be like, you could be a doctor, you could be a lawyer, you could be a businessman. And if I ever mentioned any of them, it was like, well, actually, I think I want to try, you know, being like a comedian. They would all always be like, what? No. You know, like, why would you do, you know, like I was throwing it all away. They didn't even have like Jeff Foxworthy as a reference. They put like, they of course knew that it was, that people did it. Right. But it wasn't a thing that people from Salina did or could do but it was mostly like you can go to medical school and be a doctor you try to do this you're gonna whatever Mm. so like i always wanted to do it but i went to college i was first person in my family to go to college and i majored i I ended up getting an mba and the reason i got that was because i wanted the degree that i thought would give me the best chance at getting a job where i made actual money and had health insurance and shit while i attempted to become a stand-up comedian because I had no interest in all that old starving artist bullshit or whatever, you know, because, again, if I'd grown up poor, I'd had enough of right. that shit. So, But that's the only reason I even got the degree that I did. Graduated in 2009, which I don't know if you recall, not a great time to be graduating with really any degree, but especially a business degree. Right, just coming out of the recession. Yeah, and I worked at a bar, the bar I was working at. I was there for like six months with an MBA, thinking like, God, oh, I've really fucked all this up. And then just happened to find and land a job with the federal government outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. Moved there. Thanks, Obama. Yeah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> it was the Recovery Act, the yeah. stimulus package. Oh. I was funded by that. It was literally thanks, Obama, for that. And I got up there, and they had a comedy club there, Side Splitters in Knoxville. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, it's either now or never. And I just started going to the open mics, and then 
that was that. Uh, it went well, you know, uh, relatively speaking. Right. You know what I mean? Went well for a first timer, then was going well for open mic or whatever. Enough so, to encourage me, and I just kept doing it. So five years in, yeah. What was your thought? I had. Uh, it still was, again, relatively speaking, going pretty well for a guy who's in Knoxville and his full time day job and stuff. I had almost exactly a year before the videos went viral. I had gotten into this uh, late night writers program that NBC does every okay. year. Oh, the late night writers workshop. They have it at Thirty Rock in yeah. the spring every year. And how long is that for? It's a week long, like, uh, you know, all day. Like, But it's like an intensive. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like nine hours a day or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's for a week and they bring in all these writers. You have all these assignments. You know, you write like SNL sketches or you write desk bits or monologue jokes, all that shit. And they, it's an open call for packets, writing packets. And uh, they said that they get like over a thousand a year and they normally pick like eight to 10 people or something mm-hmm. and i had applied for three straight years and i got into it in 2015 and it went up there and then uh in late in a couple few months later met my still manager mm-hmm. like still my manager now met her before the videos met her out doing shows in la but tell me more about that week in new york though yeah it was amazing i'd never been to new york period um, yeah at at that time i get off the subway in manhattan for the first time and it's like even though even though it was april it's like snowing on fifth avenue and stuff and i was you know i got off and was like this shit is magical (laughs) you know what i mean i was like you know i felt like i was about to cry or something Mm -hmm. within an hour and a half i was just like so you're like jack you're like jack mcbrayer's character in 30 rock Right. Country bumpkins. Yes. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then I almost get backed over by a bus and fucking slip and fall in a, you know, gray snowbank or whatever. And it's just like, okay, never mind. I'm over it. What but, do you remember about, like, who you got to meet or it was, who was uh, there with you? The people that were in there with me, like my, you know, classmates. Right. And one of them is, she writes for Stephen Colbert now. Um, uh, the other ones are, you know doing various things Mm -hmm. hanging in there but they were i was what i remember about them we all got along great it was cool i I was the only one that wasn't in either new york or los angeles i was the only one that was just from fucking you know the middle of wherever and uh it was great they would bring in writers like i said from uh the very like a writer for seth myers or a writer for fallon but they would also bring in people like uh kp anderson he was uh did stand up forever and then he was on bill maher's old show and then he did a bunch of stuff created and ran the soup yeah. talk soup and then the soup with joe uh, McHale, mm-hmm. and then he still works with him on stuff that guy like he came and talked to us and uh we went to we went to the studio where snl's taped and you know uh behind the scenes tour and all that we went to tapings of, of seth myers and fallon and all just i mean it was it was great it was super so cool. being the only person there who's not new york or la based i was also the only actual stand-up too for the you record everybody felt, else was sketch improv you people. must have felt like oh the dream is becoming real absolutely when i went to that suddenly I was like, all the people in selena yeah or selena salina salina yeah all the people in salina they're, they must feel foolish now because I'm actually figuring this out. I mean, at that time, I think they didn't, I don't know, you know, um, I don't know how they felt. About, also, like, 
to be clear, I, all that stuff I said earlier about people when I was growing up, mm-hmm. that was like true, but I don't really like hold it against them. Like I get it. Like they want, they wanted, you know, what they thought was like the best for me, but I've well, never had an attitude of like just shoving right. it in their face or nothing. Well, you that's know? also a, um, a sentiment that's common wherever you are. Right. It's yes. not, it's not specific to Tennessee. No, or the I, yeah. South or, right. Like if you grow up in a small town, like people, I don't want to say people have smaller dreams, but there's a, like a, a way a, there's that a you simpler, go about right. things. Like this is how life, you know, works, right? Like there, you have there's a like a small list of options that everybody has available to them. You can buy a house much. and have some right. kids, and if you have a if your dad does something in the community and you know whatever, then that's what you're going to be doing. If probably. Netflix hadn't come along, you could have run the video store. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that yeah, that was already like. You know, had died basically by the time I left. But it, but anyway, I, yeah, I was feeling encouraged by it. Even again, especially living in Knoxville, I was also like applying to a bunch of festivals and getting into a few of them and going and doing that, meeting other people. I met my manager later in that year, so that I was submitting like packets and mm-hmm. tapes and all that type of stuff from Knoxville. And then April of 2016 is when the the videos went viral, and, and this that was, changed everything. The, the but trans- I had been. You know, right. progressing in my mind and doing fairly well, especially for where I was at for a while at that point. But just so just so everybody's straight, so you would you had started getting into some festivals as a stand up. Mm-hmm. You had gotten into the NBC late night yeah. workshop uh, for week long intensive uh, seminars, and. You started making videos, and it was your second one yes. was a transgender. Yes. Yeah, the first one was about Tennessee at the time, my home state. was There was a bill in the state legislature about uh, naming the Holy Bible the official state book of Tennessee. Thankfully, that ended up not happening, but it was like in the news in Tennessee at the time. That's what the first one was about, mm-hmm. and the first one got like 70,000 views or something, and I mean, I was thrilled like over the moon about that then did the second one about the transgender bathroom laws and yeah it's the one that went like crazy viral and just changed when you started making when you started making these videos did you have a strategy in place for them do you mean for like if they took off or or whatever or to try to or a strategy to help ensure that they might take off like, no. Did you know what you were doing? No, not even a little bit. <laughs> you know, because they talk about like having a YouTube playbook. No, and, no, no. All right, if you're gonna know. do a video, you want the lighting to be like here. I've, I was I, just, I was just out on Venice Beach on my way over here, and there were three young girls on the beach, and they were all yeah. doing the Instagram game. I, yeah, I've. So every, people are savvy about what to absolutely, do. Absolutely, and I'm not like other like stand up comics. Will and I totally understand why they'll mm-hmm. t- you know tell me or text me sometimes be like hey man if you don't mind could I just like talk to you for a little bit about about just YouTube and that sort of thing I'd like your insight on it and I always talk to them but I'm also always <laughs> like look I know how what you might think but I promise you. I don't really know shit and just like got lucky. I didn't even have a like a fan page or whatever at the time. That first one that went viral was mm-hmm. from my personal Facebook page. Like, no, I wasn't prepared at all. In fact, that was the thing that had kept me from even making those videos for a little while was mm-hmm. that you like you said, it's like, oh, you need the lighting here and all that. Right. 
I'd had that idea for a little bit. Or you're going to say the, a catchphrase, or you're going right. to wear certain clothes. Or... I had had this idea for basically what those videos are for mm-hmm. a little while when I finally started making them, uh, and they were based off like a bit that I had done in stand-up for longer before that. And I was, but I was like, I don't know anything about it. I don't know what I'm doing. I need like a nicer camera. I need to learn how to like light and edit and all this. And then literally, and I've told this before, but this is exactly what happened. I saw a different video that went viral on like the far right. It was people I'd went to high school with sharing Mm -hmm. it and stuff. And it was a preacher in North Carolina standing by his truck in the woods for some reason, holding his phone and just like preaching fire and brimstone at it about the evils of transgender people using their bathrooms. Mm -hmm. No jokes, nothing funny. It had like 15 million views. I saw it and was disgusted by it, but I also, it was like a light bulb went off. I was like, man, if this is what I'm trying to like satirize or make fun of, and this this is exactly the thing that I'm trying to make fun of, then I don't need any of that fancy shit. Matter of mm-hmm. fact, that would probably be a mistake. Like I need to do it exactly the way this dude does it. Just like go out back and yell at my phone, <laughs> you know, like it, it'll play. So that's why you just it'll, did it in the woods. Yeah. And that's why. And then once I had that realization, I was just like, there was no barrier to entry anymore. Right. But yeah, but I still did not expect at all them to like take off. It was just like, I don't know if you, you know, like, as a comedian, you just have various, like, little projects, basically. You right. know what I mean? Like, things you want to try or whatever. And that was just one of them. I didn't know it was going to, what happened was going to happen at all. So what was that first week or two like after it did take off? It was absolutely insane. I mean, the first day, I, uh, like, my phone, I had to take my phone out of my pocket because it was, like, hot like burning hot to the mm-hmm. touch from all the like notifications and stuff I was getting and the battery died quickly and it was just off. That's how I knew that's how I was like alerted that something weird was happening. So I was like, what the hell's going on with my phone? And I realized it was, it couldn't keep up with all the notifications from pa- Facebook and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it was just crazy watching it all unfold. Then I start getting all these messages, some, some legit, some very not legit about, you know, TV or, the books or whatever mm-hmm. you know i'm a manager and i'm an agent or what just you know you name it and it was all very uh very surreal did you get any talk show requests i did i was on remotely i was on lawrence o'donnell's show on okay, MSNBC, MSNBC. right mm-hmm. uh like right afterwards and mm-hmm. then i i'm trying to think if i did i mean i did a bunch of call-in radio stuff okay. and i did but like it's not like they flew you to new york again no, I mean, I ended to do up, the Today Show you know, like since, Good Morning America. I, right, no, and I think at least part of that was in how very blue my videos were, you know what I mean? Okay, like, right, they're, so they're they couldn't very, show them pretty on graphic, TV. Right, and, um, but, yeah, I mean, there was a little bit of that, but not that much initially, but it was just like, and then also a lot of messages, you know, come here, come wherever people are from, you know, come mm-hmm. to Birmingham or whatever. And I, like I said, I have a manager already. We started talking like, do you think that I could actually like tour now, like off of this? And we were like, I don't know. We'd give it a shot. Are you still working at the Department of Energy? Yes. And that. <laughs> Did that, they say anything? That, no, not directly to me, <laughs> but there was like a comment or two in a meeting that let me know that like my boss had seen it or mm-hmm. whatever, but wasn't like saying anything directly to me about right. it. Um, 
But that that poster right there, that's the first week of the tour, and it was like like a trial run, basically, okay. of like six dates. And the first one was at the Punchline in Atlanta. And, I mean, I was really very much sweating it, you know. I was like, this doesn't – it's a whole lot easier to click share on a video right. or whatever than to, like, buy a ticket, leave your How'd house. Had you headline side spl- splitters or – Side splitters had closed down already by the time okay. this happened. Also, I, we had had like a falling out years even before that. I would do like, I would headline like alt shows, mm-hmm. like at breweries or that type or at bars or whatever, and okay. at clubs, like middle type stuff normally. And then the first two nights at the punchline were sold out. George Wallace was there. He did a set, came on stage with us, all the, and it was like, that was when I really, truly thought, like, okay, this might all, like, be a real thing. Right. You know what I mean? That might actually matter, in you know, in my life and career and all how, that. How did you decide to make it a trio so with Corey and Corey Drew? Corey and Drew had been friends of mine for a little while, and we had done a bunch of stuff together already in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. We did, like, live variety shows. Um where we would uh okay we'd do like live sketches or live uh parody songs even and stand up or th- whatever and we had done that and um we're similar we have similar like comedic sensibilities and that's why we became friends in the first place because like in the south as a general rule there's obviously exceptions aside from just us but generally speaking as a comedian if you're from the south normally it goes one of two ways it's like People either drop the accent entirely and you can't, you wouldn't even know they're from the South if they don't say, like, you know, I grew up in Georgia or right. whatever. Or, you know, you go full bore cable guy with it, you know, with both of which are fine. But we were, we were either neither or both. I'm not sure. Like, we were very explicitly Southern, but with, but while talking about, like, I don't know, edgier or more charged type mm-hmm. of things or like more potentially offensive stuff, right. you know, abortion, the Bible, whatever, while also sounding like hillbillies. <laughs> and we became buddies over that and then talked, had talked on each other's porches drunk after shows at night for years about like how sweet it would be to have a tour and everything. So it just came together very naturally. So those, those first six dates, that was really just within a month or two of yeah, going it was viral. Like three three weeks or a month, yeah, after the video had went viral. Yeah, we put it together quickly to, you know, again, see like what we were dealing with. And, and they the, went wet all, all all of those shows were, you know, sold out. Mm-hmm. And then we just kept booking more after that and have continued to do so basically. How how quickly did it expand? Both in terms of nationwide and in terms of the size of the venues? Pretty quickly. I mean, that first year, probably. But I also, though, like to be clear, and this is still true, but it's been mm-hmm. true the whole time. We're very, I'm very um, market dependent, or like mm-hmm. it, it, it just, it varies a lot in terms of what you're talking about. Like, you know, your old stomping grounds in New England. Mm-hmm. I've, love it up there i've only ever been in the summertime for the record but i i dig it up there but that's not our my like strongest market but in like you know texas i mean yeah we do the paramount theater in austin right you know um so it just really varies a lot but it got to the level that it's at i mean pretty quickly 
that first by the end of that first year for sure so how did it feel going from somebody who didn't even have a a club in your city yeah yeah <laughs> to headline to suddenly being able to to headline medium to larger sized theaters across the country it was ab- i mean absolutely it, it, insane <laughs> and still is you know but it was uh yeah it was nuts and great because i you know I'm in that position where, like, I'm kind of immune to whatever the type of venue it is. A mm-hmm. lot of times, you know, like, I'll do certain venues without, like, naming any that I talk to other comics about. And they'll be like, oh, man, that place is a nightmare, right? You know, the crowds are just, they're all so drunk and mm-hmm. whatever else. But, like, for me, it's, you know, my my crowd that are, you know, showing up regardless of what the, the venue is, and that makes a huge difference. I mean, I'm playing with a corked bat for sure, um, but it's, yeah, it's nuts. Did you have any worries about how, I think you mentioned this already, but did you have any worries about how how to translate those videos into a stand-up? Well, I had, because set? I had been doing stand-up already. Put it in, for, like, a headlining set. Yeah, well, I had, well, like I said, I would headline just, like, alt shows, but mm-hmm. I was still doing, like, headliner length sets at okay. those things like i had i mean so i what, had a headliner headliner set worth of material when this started okay. and, and including like old jokes that i'd already like quit doing by that time that i like could have brought back i mean i had probably i don't know two and a half hours mm-hmm. or something like that after okay. six years i bring this up because i don't know how much you followed last year uh the story of darren knight Pretty closely. Southern Mama. I know people that have worked with him and for him. His manager had reached out to me early on. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I've never met him personally, but I know all but about him. But he kind of followed your blueprint yeah. in, a, in certain ways in terms of right. making these videos that blew up on Facebook. Yes. And then built a theater tour around it. Yes. And then he got invited to Montreal. Yeah. Just for laughs, and it kind of blew up on him. Yeah, I don't. His face. I don't think he had gotten bit. off stage that night before I was like getting text messages from people <laughs> <laughs> about what was because of the fact that we're like you know, I guess linked in that way. I don't right. know the like exact story, but my understanding is he was not. He hadn't been like doing stand up really at the time when his no. popped and all that. And his uh, is also a character. Right, yeah, mine it like is a character, but it's just like me cranked up to eleven. It comes from a very authentic right. place, and I've been doing stand up for yeah, you know, like over five years yeah. at the time that my videos went viral. So I was, in my opinion, much more equipped to, I guess, handle it or whatever than than he was. But I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, dude still does great numbers, sells a lot of tickets and everything. But it is. There are definitely similarities, but there's also differences for sure. But I wasn't at all surprised by what happened in in Montreal. Um, yeah, whatsoever. <laughs> I also I've heard that outside of all that, and again, I don't know him, never met him, but I just haven't okay. heard the best things about right. him, generally speaking. So I don't, you know, I'm right. In your, I'm fine with it. <laughs> in your case, you were able to also kind of parlay this into development deals which is i guess mm-hmm. what also helped make the move yes. happen yeah from tennessee to to y- california yeah i signed a development deal that first year in 2016 with warner brothers mm-hmm. and i'm still with warner brothers and um, but we've went through 
three plus kind of iterations of the concept now. Like it's had, you know, like different. It was network at first, and they, you know, all bought the pitch and passed mm-hmm. on the pilot type of thing. You know, it's how it goes. And now I'm trying to do a cable version, basically. Okay. Uh, so, but that's we're still we haven't shopped that around yet. But I've written a script. Uh, but yeah, it's been that's been. What have you learned about? The Hollywood process. That it's, in a lot of ways, it's, like, pretty stereotypical, or it's, you know, the things that you hear if mm-hmm. you, you know, if you have an interest in it or, you know, listen. Because that's, again, like I mentioned earlier, having wanted to, I've, you know, read so many books and interviews, listened to so many podcasts and all this. I I, I knew things about it or had heard things about it, and my experiences have uh, backed up a lot of those. And what I mean is just, like, it's hard to it's hard to get anything made or get, get things done. And everybody you have, there's a bunch of people that have like vested interests. They you, all want different did things. Did you know that? Did you, did you already kind of intuitively know that going into your first set of meetings? Yeah. Or did you I, have I, to kind of learn it? No, I mean, I had firsthand I had to really it. sense it. I had, it's both. Mm-hmm. I did. Again, I had heard it. I knew what the deal was supposed to be with mm-hmm. the process, how it's supposed to work. But it's still experiencing it yourself is, you know, the only way to truly go through that, I guess. But I mean, uh, so but I, I haven't I, I, I don't take any the like rejections, or whatever, all mm-hmm. that hard, because, again, I know just like how it goes. It's just part of it. My plan is just to hopefully you know, keep plugging away until something sticks. Cause I do enjoy it a lot. Also, I, I like the, pro, the, the, I, I like writing mm. and I, you know, would love to, you know, make something. I is, think. is the rest of your family able to understand that too? Like, or, or are there moments you, where like the wife and kids are like, dad's going to be on TV. And well, my boys are still, gonna... my boys are six and seven. They okay. like, kind of, they know what I do, but they definitely don't have a full understanding of all of that whole mm-hmm. process. My wife understands it because I've talked to her the most about it. But friends and family, like back home, and also just like right. fans That's on the it, internet, yeah. yeah, that happens all the time. It's like, well, you got a development like, deal. You're gonna. They see like deadline yeah. articles that say ABC buys, you know, sitcom from Trey Crowder yeah. or whatever, which is like technically true. But people who aren't in the industry read that and think that means it's going to air next Thursday night, you yeah. know. And I get why. And, but that's you know not what it means and not how it works. And so yes, I get asked those types of questions a lot, or at least I did. Again, I'm like three rounds in now. I think a lot of people have either figured it out or been like, okay, I don't know if that's all just bullshit or what. But <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely a thing. <laughs> but like I said, I don't blame those people. I mean, it, it, it's weird. It's weird how the whole process works. There's no reason that anybody should understand it if they're not inside of it you know well now that you're a few iterations in as you say how does it change what your expectations are what your or what your hopes are i guess the hopes haven't really changed that much because the hope is still just to like actually get something on the air the expectations Mm -hmm. are I mean, I'd like to say that I don't have any, like, <laughs> that my expectation every time is that it, that a thing will not happen or mm-hmm. will not get made because, like, odds are it won't. And I think that's just the healthier attitude to have. But um, that's the one that I try to adopt is to go want very much for it to happen, put every all the effort that I can into it, try as hard as I can, all that. 
but don't expect anything to come of how, it. How important is it then that these two sketches, you, got, you guys got done for Comedy Central? Uh, I mean, yeah, it feel, it's great just to even get just to show that, yeah, go, yeah, this right. is what we've been yeah. trying to tell you guys, and right, yeah, it's it's awesome to have actually produced a thing instead of you know just selling it or writing a script or whatever. Right. Do you uh, do you worry? I don't know when this is going to come out, but do you worry about like whether these videos go viral or not? Does it matter to you? Mean you mean the sketches? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Does it matter whether those go viral since they're with a network instead of just your own YouTube I mean, YouTube obviously, presence? it would be great, um, but I'm not worried about it. I think that, like, I don't know, knowing how going viral is and operate, you know what I mean? Like, I'm very much a believer personally in, like, you can't, like, nobody really knows when something is or is not, like, gonna go viral you know what i mean so like i i guess i'm kind of i don't know jaded as far as all that goes so i i'm definitely not like expecting or anticipating that with these but i mean if it did happen obviously it'd be cool but i think you know they could be beneficial for us without that happening too uh and how many more dates do you have for the tour well, is it just yeah. something you're just going to keep doing? It's kind of continuous. I mean, we're going to keep doing it. Uh, yeah, for the foreseeable future. Yes. So there's there's no like real answer to that question. It's not yeah. like set. We're just constantly, you know, adding more if like people, in the future. Cities want yeah, you'll go. Yeah, pretty much. That's so, the idea. So what would you tell to that aspiring young? comedian out there in a small town um, who has that dream now well i mean first things first because you know going back to the whole the darren knight thing yeah start if you know that you want to do it just then you got to find a open mic somewhere and go up and start doing it and like keep doing it uh and then once you've figured out whether you actually do want to do it or not and you know you want to keep pursuing it then, yeah, I absolutely recommend that people make do their own thing, something, whatever it is, whether it's like a video series or a podcast or blog or whatever, but make stuff yourself, you know, um, because it's like easier now than it's ever been to do that. And it's also instead of just waiting around for somebody else to allow you to make something, you can just do it yourself, you know. So, but the first thing's first, just, you got to just start doing it like listening, reading the books and listening to the podcasts and all that is cool, but it won't, none of it matters if you don't just actually go up there and, you know, dive in and see what happens. Right. Like you were saying, you thought about making videos, but it wasn't until you saw that one that you hated that you were like, yeah, I better start doing this. I'm very, I'm very <laughs> motivated by like disdain and, and like, you know, hatred of things. Honestly, <laughs> that's something I've had to like be introspective about and reach like, Oh, that's not healthy, but it's true. Like, yeah. Hate gets me, uh, gets me going more than pretty much anything else. Hey, you know, the hardest thing to do is just, just get started. Yeah, so. that's true. So I'm glad that you did. Me too. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> Working out so far. We'll yeah. see what happens. We've got a bungalow in Burbank. Yeah. <laughs> Last Things First. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First 
was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. Theme music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Things first.